Hey, St. Paul, welcome to our final episode of the podcast that's centered around Richard Foster's book, The Celebration of Discipline. For the last almost two and a half months, Tommy Bridges, the professor extraordinaire, has been alongside of me. Tommy, thank you for joining us. Do you feel a sense of relief when it comes to being at the end of such a book? Uh, yes, John, and thank you for that introduction, but I'm not sure that I am uh, in that category yet. Which, I, I'm, which one, of being finished or Professor no, Extraordinaire? Profe- professor. I'm going <laughs> to defer to you and Shane for that. Well, thank you for bringing <clears throat> Shane up. Shane is with us, too, as we recap this book and bring this podcast to a close. Shane is our senior minister here at St. Paul United Methodist Church, and we welcome him here today. Shane, thanks for being with us. Uh, thanks for the invitation. I, I feel like i am uh, got a seat at the big table now. Uh, I've been promoted to <laughs> to the big table where I get to uh, to be on the podcast, let me tell you, with two professors. I mean, uh, <laughs> so I, I've, got a, I've got my notebook here and my pen and paper ready, so I'll just take notes. Uh, until y'all are finished talking. Well, John, you said, is there a sense of relief? I think in our last podcast, we talked about celebration, but this is really the beginning of the journey to me. We have kind of set the stage, you know, the platform, if you will, to move forward. And that to me is, I don't think I'm through with it. I want to go back and, and do it again on my own and kind of journal some of the thoughts that I have this has been a fantastic two or three months that you and I have delved into this book. As I say in anything, when you're put on the spot, you kind of really research what you're doing. Uh, and, and this has been a blessing. It really has. And I would encourage anyone that is interested in these types of um, disciplines to read Foster's book with a sense of humility and what it allows you to do. Yeah, you, you certainly have to read this book along with many, many other books with an eye on the inside, with a, a sense of self-reflection. The purpose of the disciplines is centered around the idea of liberation, of freedom from the stifling slavery to self-interest to fear. And what Richard Foster does is he divides this book into three sections. He divides the book centered around the idea of these disciplines being inward, outward, and corporate. So we've been through meditation and prayer, fasting, simplicity, study, solitude, submission, silence, confession, worship, guidance, celebration, and all of those can be a daunting task. But when it comes to the growth process, we know that when we think of our children or we look at a child, they do not become an adult overnight. There's this progression that has to happen, this growth, this maturity. And I, I know Paul and Peter both talk about this in the scriptures. Why, if we don't expect that of our children, why would we expect that of our spiritual growth? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really something that followers of Christ needs to constantly keep before them, that the, the whole design of the Christian journey is one of growth. It's one of transformation. What I love about Foster's book, and I probably read his book about every two years. It's you know one of those spiritual classics for me, and one of those survey book on steroids where you get to not just look at the disciplines and and get some insight into that, but it reminds me of really the the arsenal that exists for the follower of Christ, and that you mentioned the word freedom and liberation. Um, 
you know, what I often think about when it comes to disciplines is, and, and, and this has been true of my life, disciplines, uh, we don't get to do disciplines or we don't do disciplines for God to love us. We, we engage them because God already loves us and we're in love with God. I think that's the means by which personal transformation takes place, and, and even in corporate transformation, uh, that without disciplines, um, we drift and we find ourselves at a loss. Uh, and it's a, it's a little deceptive, uh, this drift, where it's just a little bit at a time, at a time, at a time. But then when you look back over a long period of time or maybe a season in your life, you, you realize how far we're off the mark. Growing up, I thought disciplines were something I was supposed to do to make sure that God loved me. And uh, it took me a while to unwind all that. And now disciplines is something I, I get to be a part of because it, uh, it keeps me in love with God and not because God can love me anymore because the more, I, you know, the more disciplines I do or, or engage, it, it's a lifeline for, for everyone. Yeah, there, there is a when C.S. Lewis talks about his journey to Christianity, he wrote a book called The Pilgrim's Regress uh, about a boy named John. And the, the, the boy uh, steps into the Christian realm with a list of things that he had to do that was given to him by the people of the church. And he kept that on a three by five card. And every day he would wake up and he said, OK, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this with the idea that if I don't do this, God is going to reject me. God's going to throw me out. God's going to turn his back on me. God's not going to love me. As C.S. Lewis unfolds this beautiful image in John's life, you find out that by day three, he is exhausted mentally, (laughs) exhausted physically, exhausted spiritually, and he gives up. And the idea that C.S. Lewis has given us when we connect that in our spiritual lives is that this walk with God has everything to do with a response to what God has done for us. I remember the day that I got married. I still remember that day. At that moment, I was married, but I still had to live into and learn the disciplines of marriage, which means I have to pick up my clothes, right? I have to put the dirty dishes into the sink. Why? Was it that Lisa was going to leave me or reject me or not love me anymore? No, it was a means or a way that through that discipline, our relationship grew and we grew closer and the relationship and the intimacy was propelled forward. Yeah, that, I mean, that whole concept is true in, in so many of the saints' lives of the, of the church. I mean, I think about Augustine, you know, this idea of performance-based, and then finally comes to the conclusion that it, it's not about what I do first. It's more about who I am in Christ. Uh, Martin Luther, I mean, scared to death. I mean, he, one of my professors in seminary, uh, one of my church history professors, would often talk about a uh, picture in Martin Luther would see in the church, and it's this idea of the saints sitting in a boat, and they're just as calm as they can be, and they're reading and singing their from their hymn book, and they're you know it's one of those sort of gothic type pictures where everybody outside of the boat is in you know there are these demons pulling them down to hell and things like that, and and he looked at the people in the boat, and they're just as calm as they can be, and of course he he thought. 
you know, only these perfect people were like that. And so he thought disciplines he had to do every single day. And if he didn't do it, that somehow he was going to get kicked out of the boat. Uh, John Wesley, you know, his whole struggle with grace uh, early in his life. And, uh, you know, a friend finally said, you know, just live into the grace and then you'll preach it because you got it. I mean, it's, it's not – disciplines aren't something that we have to do. Disciplines are something we get to do. And that, to me, is what I think most people – uh, there needs to be an awareness there. That this is not a have to. It's a, I get to engage God this way. Absolutely. And, and again, John and I spoke about this earlier, that the disciplines are a means to an end. They set us up on a platform to be transformed. And I think in any discipline, anything that we desire to do of any meaning requires discipline. And let's just take what's happening probably right now in most of the people uh, January the 1 they make these resolutions and most of the time it's to lose weight or to get to the gym <laughs> yeah that's the number one resolution by the way yeah, yeah right so how do you do that so you make this little goal well I'm gonna lose 10 pounds in January which is an unrealistic goal basically for a lot of people why not make it I'm going to lose two pounds. I'm going to do this every day until I accomplish that. And then you'll have a sense of accomplishment and not a sense of defeat because uh, statistics say that any resolution is probably done by February the 10th. Just like you were talking about now, I'm so exhausted now because I've tried to do so much in such a small period of time that that I give up. And that's not what these disciplines are. They are things that allow us to be in the presence of God and for Him to do the handiwork that He wants to do. And I always go back to Revelation. I stand at the door and knock. If you will open it, I will come in. All I have to do is open the door. And like you two said, He loves you. We know that. We have a place in eternity now as Christians. But I think the question we have to ask is, as Shakespeare said in Hamlet, to be or not to be. Basically, we live two lives, the life we're living and the life we're capable of living. And I think these disciplines allow us to live the life we're capable of living. And that is to model Jesus Christ. Yeah, one of the things that I think along those same lines that disciplines really create and allow us to do is it and i think y'all talked about this and i don't know exactly what episode uh, it was but it, it it actually gives greater meaning to the life you have and uh, we're we're created for something more than the superficial the more that i engage the spiritual disciplines the, the more that it's like i'm exposed to a whole different reality that's always been there um, it's just something that maybe I'm, I'm blinded to or uh, just oblivious towards. Um, but, but it changes um, my identity. So you talk about the inward part of a person. Uh, it definitely changes um, my, my spiritual connection to God, the, the connection. It's relational, the connection that I have with people that are around me. 
Um, it, it's like my antenna is attuned with a greater awareness uh, the more I engage disciplines. And, and, and I think that's just the role of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's not that the disciplines themselves are, are magical or have some innate uh, power. It's, that it's, it's what God does when we engage these. I think sometimes, too, disciplines, you know, when you think about the sanctification process, and that's really what disciplines are, you mentioned means to an end, and that's what the, the end is, that, you know, to be made holy, to follow, to, to be formed in the nature of Christ. Disciplines, I think, also give us something to track, not in something that we have to do, but it's like measuring, you know, when you measure, when you used to measure your children, you know, they're at five and they're this high on the door and then they're at 10, they're that high on the door. You can't see the growth every single day. But if you look back over a period of time, you can see that there's been a fair amount of growth and sometimes just over a summer. Well, disciplines to me show what the Spirit is doing inside of me in that transformation process uh, so that you can actually see the work of God uh, in your life. It, so it, t- to some degree, it's, it becomes a l- little bit of a measuring tool. Not that we have to do, but it's, a, I think, a reflective measuring tool, now that I think about it, to where we actually get to see God living inside of us. And, you know, that's encouraging. You're talking about the two pounds compared to the 10 pounds. I mean, sure. you know, when you when you look back over that month or, you know, from January to February and you see, oh, I've, I've, I've lost weight, you know, or, or I'm eating better, or I'm at the gym more, you know, those things also, they, they can feed on themselves. And so disciplines, I think, can create that inside of us on a, on a spiritual level. Yeah, I think there's this misunderstanding in our world that is fueled by instant gratification or instant results in that abundant life and that life here on earth that is a result of these disciplines that move us more to a confidence in God and and a faith in who he says he is and what he promises to do, that those things actually converge on our present right now. They hold us in tension between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of ourselves. And we live into this life more abundantly. And we've talked about this before that how the world, how Satan wants to steal, kill and destroy, but Christ has come to give us life and life abundantly. And that's not just when we cross the Jordan from this life to the next, that is here on earth. What most people think is, man, if I follow God, I can't be happy. They believe that that following God and being happy are two opposite things. And I remember growing up in a mission-driven church and always thinking when the missionaries would come that, man, I don't want to follow God completely, maybe just with my toe a little bit here and there just to kind of make myself feel good that I'm doing something. Because if I follow God radically, he might send me to Africa, okay? And I might have to eat bugs, and I'm not going to like doing that. Or marry someone that doesn't shave her armpits. So, so, I mean, yeah, yeah, so. Or something like that. You know, but, but the fact of the matter is what God calls us to do is so intricately woven to how he creates us and what we enjoy doing. And so what these disciplines do is they transfer that confidence from ourselves 
upon God, which ultimately brings us a sense of freedom. Don't you love the feeling of being able to say with honesty, this is not my responsibility and truly live into this is not my, it, what sense of freedom do you have from that? Yeah, do you remember uh, Dr. Coppage? I do. Yeah. So, Al Coppage. Uh, so another, another professor, Tommy, that uh, John and I had different times when we were in school, same school, was he was a Wesleyan scholar. And he came up with something that's called the Wesleyan Order of Salvation. And I've, I've, I know John and I have kind of touched on that and have taught that in, in different uh, Bible studies. Uh, he's a logical thinker, and the idea is sort of to lay out maybe this, you know, what the journey of salvation looks like. And there's a part in there where he talks about Wesley's understanding of assurance, the assurance of salvation, the assurance of God's love, and, and how the Holy Spirit works inside of you. And he said there's, you know, there's really two ways that uh, a follower of Christ is assured of things. So the first one is what I would probably say a little bit of a logic where you read in the Bible that a follower of Christ does A, B, C, and D, and you're doing A, B, and C, and D. And so then you conclude, well, if I'm doing the same thing that these people uh, were doing, then, then I must be in, along the same camp. He said that, that, that works. He said that's limited. He said the real way, and he said this is what this is kind of uniquely Wesleyan, is when the Holy Spirit confirms to your spirit that you really are that child of God. So you're talking about this idea of just freedom and liberation. I think people, you know, maybe early on in their walk with Christ, it, it's you know there, there's a sense of either fear or wonder. Uh, you know, am I doing it correctly, or is this what you know? Is this how it's supposed to be done? But then something happens, and I'm, it's where you go from, say, part A to part B, or from you know one level to the next level, where the Spirit just confirms to you that, and so you wake up, and that's it's never in doubt. You just live your life knowing that you're living it with Jesus, and. And that, that is, to me, the real freedom, where it's, it's not whether or not you think God loves you. You know that God loves you. God is in you, and you are, you are connected to God. And so you just live with this sense of, uh, I mean, freedom's the right word, where it, it's, you know, I just, he's, he's with me, and I'm with him. You know, the work of the Holy Spirit is so important, and the work of the Holy Spirit in confirming what God is doing in us and around us and through us. It gives us this, this ability to live into this freedom. One of the books that John Eldridge wrote, uh, Living Free, I believe the book is, but he quotes a passage from Psalm where it talks about, it's Psalm 119, where every verse in Psalm 119 is something about the word or the law. And, um, and what he does is he says, I have put your word on my heart, and I'm paraphrasing this, and you have set my heart free. And reading that, it makes you think that that is more of an oxymoron, that how can that be? How can I have law and have freedom? How can I have boundaries and be set free? The, the drive of our sinful nature is to get to a place where we are overwhelmed with the noise and the crowd and the busyness. And as we talked before, Tommy, sure. the noise isn't the devil. It, you know, it is the devil. What, what was that? Well, I think this was from Carl Jung. Yeah. He says there are three basic things that pervade our society. It's noise, crowd, and people. This is not of the devil. It is the devil. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's not a symptom. It's the disease. It, exactly. And, you know, we we started off with the inward disciplines, which once we go through that, that manifests itself in the outward disciplines. When we have that inner transformation, that will show up in our outer life uh, as we move forward. And the transformation process, as Shane just alluded to, you know, I think Paul in one of his epistles suggests uh, working in your salvation. Yeah, working it out. Working it out. I think these, these disciplines are a means to that. And it's a process. It's a journey. And it's, it's just like any other discipline, whether we are working out every day to lose weight or getting in better shape. For a long time, I questioned the idea of going inward. Why is it such a problem? Why are we wearing all of these different masks instead of peeling off the onion to getting to the, to getting to the point of who we really are and to having the identity not in other people or other things or in houses or cars or whatever it is, it's our identity is Christ. So if you had to boil down an argument, and I'll address this to both you, Tommy, and Shane, if you had to boil down an argument to why someone should step into at least one of the disciplines, of course, we, we've talked about this before. It's not like you have to do it all at once. Just start somewhere. What would be your argument to convince somebody that this is the next logical step? This is something that is scriptural. This is something that is so important. Uh, how would you make that argument? My question would be, there's an old hymn. Lord, I want to be a Christian. Lord, I want to be like Jesus. Okay, that's great. There's another saying, too. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. <laughs> you know? So, so what do you do? My argument is going back to to be or not to be. Do you want to be in your self-kingdom, or do you want to be in the kingdom of God? And both of you have suggested that. And that's a choice we make. And the choices we make will ultimately decide our peace, our joy, or we can be filled with anxiety and slavery to, to something. We all are slaves to something or someone. So, the, again, I go back to the liberation factor here. Do you want to live your life in peace and faith and the only one that can provide solutions to all our problems? And that is God. So do we place ourselves in a position where God can transform us? It's your choice. You don't have to do this. But to do this, you have to get into a disciplined lifestyle of getting into the inner life and examining where you, where you are spiritually. We all do that in our, uh, in our lives uh, and any other... Yeah, take an inventory. Yeah, take an inventory. Where am I? And be honest about it. And where does God say that I can be? Yeah. <laughs> do I want to get there? Yeah. And that, that's the question. Do you want to get there? One of the things that I think is along those same lines, Tommy, you mentioned the idea of wearing a mask and maybe posing or or afraid to uh, either 
show or allow someone to see the inside. The word I like to use there is identity. We function out of our identity. I mean, we, we behave or whatever we do on the outside stems from what we are on the inside. And John, to, to your question about, um, you know, what would I say to someone? I, I would say that what a person can actually, and this is sort of what we did, have been talking about when we said freedom, what becomes of all of this is uh, a life of peace, a life of joy, uh, a life of fulfillment. Uh, I would even throw in the idea of, of uh, energy, how you live your life. I mean, there's a sense of vitality that comes with that. And, and, and it's like a different reality. And that disciplines then become the means to that type of reality, that type of, uh, of inward sense of self. It doesn't mean that the life is going to be always easy. It doesn't mean that the life is going to be problem-free. Uh, it's whatever the situation is, there's just something that puts either a sense of peace, fulfillment, um, just what is needed to overcome whatever it may be. Uh, you know, you still will experience pain and sadness and all those. I mean, a life of Christ does not pull us out of that. Uh, it is just that in the middle of that, Christ is with us. And, um, you know, you mentioned about – made a, a reference to your marriage. I mean, you and Lisa wake up not wondering whether or not – is the other person going to love me? You wake up knowing that I'm loved, and so you live in that love and out of that love. Uh, and, and I think that's what's, what it sits with person a person who embraces uh, disciplines. That's the means to something that the abundant life, all the things that Paul and I mean Jesus in the New Testament, that this life of being connected to God, um, and I'm it, it it can't happen, all right. I mean it really it it can't happen without disciplines. Exactly. I mean disciplines are the means by which we that we we are moved into that type of reality where where our inside is, there's not fear, where there's not a sense of um, um, wonder, you know, wonderment about who you are. You know who you are in Christ. And, and I think it actually frees up the person to be, uh, to not just with an awareness, but I mean, I'm, you know, hopefully I'm a better father because I'm in Christ. Hopefully, I'm a better husband because I'm in Christ. Hopefully, I'm a better, you know, worker or pastor or whatever it may be because I'm in Christ. Those things are settled. Um, you know, those those issues that keep people up at night, um, they're already settled, and so you're you're free just to be who you are in Him. If I was making an argument about these disciplines. I would point probably to uh, Paul's writings where in Ephesians and Romans and Corinthians, in many places, he talks about the fullness of Christ or the fullness of God. And I would pose the question, what does that look like to you? And I believe that the disciplines are in one way or another, the means or the instruments where we let go of ourself and we live into the fullness of all that God has for us. 
Louis Giglio in a study on Colossians, Paul talks about in Christ, in Christ, in him. He does it in Ephesians. He does it all through his books. But Louis Giglio makes this point that it's Christ in you. It's not Christ and you. And I would say that many Christians are living with this idea that it's Christ and me as some kind of tag team wrestling team that when I've done all I can, I'm going to look over and I'm going to tab Christ on the hand and he's going to, you know, finish the job, right? But it's not Christ and me, it's Christ in me. That is this hope of glory. That is this uh, fulfillment of, of the fullness of God. Dallas Willard uh, in an interview with John Ortberg said, It's not about getting to the kingdom of God one day after we die. It's about living into the kingdom of God here on earth before we die. And I think when Paul talks about the fullness and Christ talks about the uh, life abundantly, those are all surrounded with these uh, expectations of denying yourself, picking up your cross, in following him or following Jesus or Paul saying, you once walked this way, now do this. And I believe that through that process, we start to outlive the labels that we have given ourselves. We start to outlive the labels that other people have given to us. And we live into the labels from the one who is the only one who has the right to give us the label because he has manufactured us, he has made us, and he can put his name on us, and that is God, the creator. That's true. That was pretty much how I, part of the way that I wanted to raise my children. I mean, from from the early age, I mean, even when they were a baby, probably couldn't even understand what I was what I was saying. Uh, I wanted to just drill down deep into their soul and their just in their, you know, the back part of their cognitive mind, the idea that um, you're, you're loved just because you are. I mean, you know, you're the fact just that, because you breathe. That, that's exactly right. I mean, I, the, being your dad, I mean, that, that does it for me. And they haven't done anything. Just the fact that they are, uh, they are. And. And so, all as they as they you know have grown and and matured and and what have you, uh, you know, I would say you know because you are, I love you. There's nothing you can do that's ever going to change that. I mean, I love you just because you you are my child. And not but you know what but means this you know don't worry about whatever I've said you know and now live into the love that you already have. Live into who you are, how I see you, um, regardless if you think you're doing it right or wrong. Just live into the fact that that part's already taken care of. And, and so, you know, I hope, you know, you, maybe we should interview Connor and Caroline to see, you know, <laughs> how successful. But, but I, I think, you know, I borrowed the analogy from Paul's writing and, and how he, his writings where he described what it's like for God and, and for us. That, you know, you're, I love how Paul always writes to a church. The, the very beginning, you know, the peace to you and grace from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then he'll say, to the saints, you know, that, that we're, you know, to, to the holy ones. And, and then you read the book, and, and, you know, on one level you go, gosh, how in the world can they be holy? You look at, you know, look what he's saying. Uh, but, you know, I see Paul almost reminding them, say, look, you're already there. Now just live in to what's already yours. You don't don't strive as if you've got to obtain it. Just live because it's already yours. 
Yeah, Shane, like you said, you know, Christ accepts us just as we are. If you just sit with that, I mean, that, yeah. that could be a month's worth of work right there. Just yeah. to just accept that. Yeah. that you Accept the fact that he, ex- he accepts you and loves you just like you are. And now we, we go to the platform where he can transform us. But he accepts us. And, and just like you said, no matter what we've done, what we're going to do, he loves us unconditionally. Yeah, I remember when that uh, sort of epiphany really took place in my life um, because I thought Christianity was about climbing the ladder. I mean, for the most part of my life, I mean, I, I don't it's not that someone, you know, explained the gospel that way, but that's just what I yeah. what I heard. And uh, it was I mean, this was well into my adult years, uh, the, the in a time of just praying where, you know, it's like, oh, Lord, man, I'm just making a mess of this. And um, I mean, what I heard in my time of prayer from the Spirit was, stop trying to unscrew what I've screwed in pretty good. Yeah. And, you know, he says, stop trying to undo it. He says, you, you are, you know, who you are. Don't try to be anything other than that, right. but just live now knowing that, that I'm with you. And it's not about what you merit or what you what you think that you you know your resume or anything like that. It's just live now in that sense of freedom. I, I think, you know, may, maybe one of the analogies that might help those that are listening now is you, you ever watch a baby when they you know they're 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 crawling and then they they learn to stand up and as scary as that is, but then they take that just that that huge leap of just a small step. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's fearful and it's it's filled with mistakes because they fall. But just give it a little bit of time, and the next thing you know, they're walking and then they're running, and then you just watch the joy that takes place when a child runs and jumps and plays. They're they're living into what just this whole new sense of freedom, and and disciplines I think create that. You know, some of them are, you know, it takes time. I'm glad that y'all mentioned that it, you don't have to do them all at one time. And, you know, if you just kind of see this as a, you know, in, inside of your your arsenal, there's all these different tools. And, uh, you know, just one at a time or two at a time or whatever it may be. Uh, but it's it's learning to to run and to jump and to play uh, with the just the – the sense of uh, reckless abandonment and joy that you see when children just they just play out in the yard. And that first step that you were talking about requires that that child loses his or her balance because you got to lean forward. That's right. And you got to and that's the this faith journey is leaning into the unknown, taking a step, whatever the next step. If you know what the next right step is, if you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you to take a closer look at your own spiritual inventory and what God promises or what he's prompting for you right now, maybe that next step, as scary it might be, might be centered around getting to a place where you force uncomfortableness and you push yourself to the next right step just a little bit, Shane says often, a little beyond the comfort, a little beyond the comfort. What do we do when that child begins to take that first step? The dad or the mom have their hands outstretched. One of the things that's so compelling to me in St. Paul's sanctuary when I walk in that sanctuary and I glaze up at the mosaic of Jesus with his arms out like this, 
Yeah, I mean, listen, I've I've used that as a, a centerpiece for it's me beautiful. in worship yeah. Uh, yeah. so many times, um, and not just that their hands are open and they're normally just a few inches away, right? So I mean, but the moment that child takes that first step, there's this huge celebratory moment. Yes, I mean, it, it, because I think what the parent knows is that there is no development if they don't learn to take that first step. As scary as it may be, as frightful as it may be, you know, you, you were talking about people changing. And, I mean, I'm convinced a person will stay, stay in the hell of their own existence until they can see what that next step will be. And what they realize, and I think this is the prompting of the Holy Spirit, is that there is less pain in taking that first step than it is to stay where they're at and not do anything. Exactly. And, and, and disciplines are the means that help that person takes that step. So they live with this sense of, of an identity that's based in Christ. They live with this sense of love, not because I've done it correctly. It's I've, I'm, I live because I'm already loved in the first place. Sure. Um, so to me, I, you know, I, would, I would want to encourage uh, any of the listeners to, um, to, to not be afraid to take that step. Even if you think it's, it's, it's anxiety-filled, trust God that God will help you land in his arms. You know, that baby taking that step, uh, you know, to land in the arms of the parent. Um, you know, because there is that moment where it's like jumping off into the swimming pool. You know, you just, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, it's freeing for a second, you know, but then it's like, oh, I've got to land somewhere. And, and that, you know, the Spirit's there to help us. So maybe as we bring this episode and this uh, series on the uh, celebration of discipline to a close, maybe the next step for us all is a step that seems counterintuitive. What if the way that we finally find this abundance, this transformation, this freedom in our lives is not by speeding up and meeting uh, all the obligations and letting the world and the noise and the crowds and the people uh, define who we are. What if the way that we live into this is by slowing down? And maybe that first step in this journey towards this deeper relationship that drives us into all that God wants us to be. Uh, maybe it's about not trying to catch up to God, but it's actually slowing down. We got to stop long enough where we are able to reflect and to be able to sense outside of where we might be. As Thomas Merton uh, said that one of the ways that we live into this relationship and this, this faith is by separating ourselves from the world, not to get further and further away from the world, but to allow ourselves to be rejuvenated, to be reminded, to be energized with a new identity or that identity or realization of that identity that God has for us. It's our prayer for you as devastating or exciting or as catastrophic life may be for all of us. Know that God is walking right alongside of you, whispering into your ear that you are his and he is yours. And at the same time, as he is right there where you are right now, he is also gently giving you a nudge to where the next step is. 
reflect about that over the days to come. And if this is your first episode, well, you're kind of walking into the end of a movie. Go back over the last 13 episodes and enjoy them, share them. If you have any comments or any questions, uh, feel free to email us at podcast at spumccolumbus.com. Tommy, thank you so much for this journey. Shane, thank you for joining us. Tommy and I will be back in a a few weeks with a a new study. We're looking forward to diving into another book, one by Brennan Manning. And the uh, book is called The Ragamuffin Gospel. Be on the lookout for this new podcast. May God hold you in the palm of his hand and remind you that you are his and he is yours. God bless.